Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Welcome to another edition of Know Your Scene, a show by music magazine DC Music Download that airs live on Full Service Radio. The song you just listened to is called Light Rhythms by DC band Tooth Choir. I'm your host, Stephanie Williams, and if you're a first-time listener, welcome. This is where we sit down with some of the people we look up to in the music scene, the folks who are pushing things forward with fresh ideas, projects, and energy. And joining me on today's show is Peter Lillis, who has pretty much touched everything new and exciting happening here in DC's music scene. Oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) He heads up marketing for Union Stage at The Wharf, runs local indie label Babe City Records, and is the founder of This Side, a showcase featuring the city's most forward-thinking artists. So, Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. Good to be here. Yes. So, Peter... For someone who asks, what do you do? Because I feel like people always ask that in D.C. (laughs) How would you best describe what you do and what your ultimate goal is with all the projects that you're working on? Ooh, wow. Um, I hope my parents are listening to this because they (laughs) ask me that same question often. Um, It's difficult to, you know, kind of synthesize. But I guess um, overall my, my goal is to promote you know, great new music. Um, there's a lot of exciting new music coming out of DC in particular. Um, I am interested in the point at which like an artist is beginning and, you know, kind of forming their ideas and expanding, you know, that kind of moment of growth and, you know, in all my aspects of, you know, whether it's promoting shows or, um, you know, working at Union Stage or, doing stuff at the label is kind of focused on that point um, of supporting artists as they, you know, come, come into their own. And so one of the first projects, one of the first big projects that you did in DC was Babe City Records. So what was, at, in your point of view, missing in DC's music scene at the time that you felt like Babe City could fill? Um, well, I can't, I can't fully say, you know, that DC was missing anything at that point. I had lived in D.C. on and off for the, you know, maybe six years or so before that. Um, I saw a lot of uh, different kind of scenes. But as far as music, you know, there wasn't necessarily a wide, uh, widely known identity, um, especially in the uh, 10s, the 2010s where we are now. Um, there were a few bands before that that were known, but there was kind of a nebulous point there where it all kind of uh, operated out of house shows. Um, that's where I met you. That's where I met a lot of the people that you know we still work with today. Uh, were people just going to house shows, and we did the same thing. That's where the label came from. We did house shows at our house, Babe City and Dupont, um, and it was just like a home for artists in town and people on the road to, you know, kind of bounce new ideas and kind of in a community like aspect. I guess I don't. I don't know what was missing though. That's. I think we just had something that we wanted to do. Um, we wanted to... It was missing us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so one thing that I really admire about Babe City in particular is that you're really good about finding and cultivating these artists who are just starting out and are very, very good. Uh, so when you are looking for an artist or you, you want to ask someone to join your your group, what what kind of... Uh, qualities do you look for? What What are some things that stand out to you when you look at someone who is potentially you know interested or wants to be a part of Babe City? Um, it's definitely on a case by case basis. Um, we're mostly interested in 
yeah, in in good music that you know catches our ear and we think that other people would be interested in. Um, I wouldn't say there's like a path. Every kind of story that every artist that we've worked with has been kind of a different story, um, and most of it is in some fashion we're introduced to the music, um, whether it's you know through a personal connection or online. In the case of Denmate, yeah, it was like also kind of an online experience where she knew a few people in the scene, but otherwise, like, we had her SoundCloud link from way back when. Um, and, yeah, in that case, we asked her if she wanted to work with us, and she was down, um, and it was a kind of a collaborative experience. Um, the other artists that we put out have been kind of different levels of collaboration. Um, Tooth Choir is the most recent one. He also... Julian played in Go Cozy for a long time, so it's still kind of like a family kind of aspect to it. Um, and Julian has also played a lot of my shows at this side, at Back Bar. Um, so it just kind of seemed to make sense. And, you know, the kicker is that the music is great. You know, that's like the, the mission all the time, to have good music that people are interested in, no matter what style it is, you know. So one thing, especially for independent record labels, is trying to sustain themselves, you know, not just in D.C., but just in general as the music industry shifts. So what is Babe City's model in terms of just being able to sustain itself and being able to, while sustaining themselves, keeping that independent ethos? Um, I would say, you know, hold on for dear life. That's uh, (laughs) what we do. Um, It's kind of something that at this point is... um, I wouldn't say self-sufficient, but it um, it feeds itself, I guess. Um, the time that we put in, especially at the very beginning, those first few years, um, you know, have have made it easier in a way for us to do more. Um, what was your question, though? I'm sorry. Yeah. So, it, how do you sustain yourself as oh, an independent yeah. label? But also um, while still keeping independent and sure. true to yourself. Um, well, I'll start by saying I don't think there's any such thing as selling out in 2018. You know. And why do you think that is? Because <laughs> there's no money to go around to start, and you should take every opportunity that that's given. And all of you know musical heroes have sold out in their own way. You know, with the few exceptions of, you know. The Discord people being the obvious example and all that kind of stuff. But um, as far as keeping it sustainable, it's just a matter of keeping it finding new music. You know, it's always a matter. We're always looking for something new. Um, And fortunately, there's a ton of talent in D.C. that we can pull from um, and that we feel we have a good relationship with. And, you know, with. Uh, the this side parties, you know, I'm I'm kind of exploring new kind of sounds that we can then f- funnel to the label, um, and so I think a matter of like keeping it sustainable is the label is as sustainable as we have good music, you know, and good artists who want to work with us. And so you mentioned this side. So what prompted you to want to start that? Um, it was it's a matter of taste, I guess. Um, personal interest. Uh, I like that kind of music. That's what I, I'm. I for the last few years, for sure, I've spent a lot more time listening to progressive hip hop and electronic music than I have rock music. And you know, I I feel like the there's something there that people want. People want the opportunity to go to a party and you know experience new music in a way that's not a formal show that you have to either like engage in or something that you have to um or that you ignore you know there's a lot of times where you go to shows and people stand outside like why are you even at the show um but this is like a different kind of experience with music you know and i think people the public are interested in it and it's a matter of training the scene to participate in it. So if someone goes to one of your showcases, what can they expect that is something different than what's currently out right now? Um, it's really, it's driven a lot by 
personal taste, I suppose. You know, I'm very interested in progressive hip hop, you know, underground hip hop in a lot of forms um, and a lot of lo-fi like house music. Um, that's kind of what we do the most of. We started more as a hip hop kind of experience, um, had a bunch of great MCs. Um, you know, we started with uh, Suge Savage and, and Mike of Doom. Um, Mike was, you know, instrumental in helping me kind of develop the the program. We talked about it a lot. We both lived in Silver Spring for a while. Um, and he, you know, and I kind of bounced ideas as far as how the whole thing would go. So Mike was great and happy to have him on the first one. Suge is, you know, I think my favorite MC in town. Um, so she was really exciting to have on the show. Um, we've had other kind of all over the place, you know, uh, Tolva, uh, his Eric Slate from Brer oh, yeah. played like a live kind of dance set that he actually played in the booth rather than like, you know, other people mixing songs. He, he played his own original music for, you know, the length of the set. That was really cool. Um, we had an MC Il Camille who's on, um, Good Kid Mad City. Um, she's from LA. She's fantastic. Um, she, she, you know, kind of wrapped in the back bar space um, had a bun- bunch of different acts. Um, so it's just been a wide variety of kind of hip-hop and emerging electronic music, um, for lack of a better word. So I don't think I've ever asked you that. I've, I've known you this for, I've known you for a while. And one thing that I'm curious to know is how did you get involved in the DC music community in general? Like what inspired you to check out what's happening here and go to house shows? Um, it was... I moved to DC initially back in 20, sorry, 2008, and I kind of did a professional experience there, worked on the Hill, and did kind of like the true DC thing. Um, eventually, I moved to Chicago, and then I moved back to DC in 2014. Um, and in that period of time, I uh, managed a website that was a kind of um, magazine of sorts, similar to DC Music Download. What called was it called? Frontier Psychiatrist. Um, and we kind of covered music and literature and kind of culture stories um, based in Brooklyn and Chicago and D.C. Um, I started booking shows under the Frontier Psychiatrist name. Uh, the first show I had was at the Dunes, which is oh, you know, gone. Oh, that was a great space. Um, it was one of the last shows at the Dunes. Uh, Riley Walker, um, this guy Nether Friends from Chicago, and Cigarette and Brer. Um, and that's how I met Alex Tebeleff, that's how I met Ben Schur and Brer, that's how I met, you know, all the Brer people and kind of got hooked up in the house show scene then. I was hanging around the Beehive a lot, which is still a thing, you know, great for them. Um, and that's how I met John Weiss, my partner at Babe City, and uh, Homero of yep. um, Homero Salazar of Go Cozy. Um, and we just kind of kept it going from there. Um, so I was just going to shows. It was, it was a matter of wanting to be involved. I, I had a kind of uh, vision of being a more active participant rather than a passive participant where I was observing bands and writing about bands. I wanted to you know, play in bands and book bands and promote bands and be like more on the inside. And so um, house shows were an easy way of navigating that. You know, there were people who wanted to do the same thing that I wanted to do in a approachable community kind of space. You know, you're in somebody's living room. Um, so it was a lot easier to kind of collaborate in a way. You know, the stakes are lower here, you know, than they are in a place like Chicago or, I mean, Chicago's different, but then New York or L.A. So people are way more collaborative and open. And I found the house show scene was, you know, kind of lively with that um, especially a few years ago. Yeah, so for people who are listening that aren't really familiar about the house, the house show scene here, could you describe more of what that community is like? And I mean, it, when I first started, I, there were, I feel like there were house shows every single week and there were yeah. many, many of them. Yeah. Um, and now, I don't know, um, it's, it's kind of interesting to kind of see things evolve. So what's sort of your take on that and that community? Um, yeah, a few years ago when, when Babe City as a house was functioning, there, there were also a handful of other houses, some of which are still functioning, but most of them have gone away. Um, I'd say, yeah, the heyday was probably like 2015, maybe. Uh, yeah. But again, I was kind of a latecomer to it. Um, and I'd say, 
Yeah, there were any any given night, really, there was something going on. Uh, Bathtub Republic, which is still functional, but they used to be in Columbia Heights. Um, there was uh, Above the Bayou, which also is around on occasion, yep. which is in, um, what is that, George uh, Foggy Bottom? Foggy Bottom. Um, above the Bayou restaurant. Is that restaurant still there? Actually, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so there, there was like a kind of scene of... Um, like-minded you know young individuals uh who yeah wanted to kind of build an experience and at the time there were not as many uh venues for small artists you know small touring artists or small local artists to play um as they were growing so the house show scene was um born out of necessity you know instead of playing the small bar you know they play people's basements and sometimes make good money doing it um so yeah so there was a great like kind of environment where a lot of great bands and uh good friends of mine you know kind of came out of um but it since has kind of the focus of the city has changed there's a lot more entertainment options and there's a lot more places for bands to play um and people to get their music out now um dc is you know, starting to wake up, I think, to, you know, the wealth of culture and kind of um, art that is happening here. Um, so there's a lot more investment, I guess, in that aspect. Um, so people don't have to play houses anymore. The necessity is there less. You know, they can go to Songbird. They can, I mean, Velvet's been there forever, but they, people still book shows at Velvet. Um, you know, there's, there's a ton of op- options for people to play now. Including um, Union Stage, which Union is also Stage is a great spot. Of where course, you are. yeah. Um, so, from your time working at Union Stage, um, h- how is it like working at a new venue like that, and particularly in that neighborhood? Yeah. Um, well, it's my second time working at a brand new venue. Um, I, I was on the team that helped launch Songbird, as the music venue aspect of it. Um, so, I taking that experience to Union Stage. Was was helpful that I I knew you know what kind of trials that m- there might be at the beginning and how to head them off you know ex- experience is good um, with Union Stage and the Wharf um, the I find the spirit around the Wharf to be very positive and collaborative um, every every business and kind of representative that I've come across down there is very interested in doing more and investing more t- in the local arts and like you know bringing great arts from the from the around the country around the world to DC um and the a lot of ways the wharf is there for that purpose um so you know i think i understand um why people might balk at how new it is and kind of like how mall like it might seem um but I, in my experience, one, there's a ton of great people down there who are making, you know, making waves like across the country, across the world, as far as like commercial development is going and stuff. And I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a world-class space. Union Stage is A+, and I think, you know, the anthem is excellent, and the whole kind of development just feels really good. I know I'm selling it really hard, but like, <laughs> it's true. Like, I, I I'm predisposed to not like new developments a lot of the time but i'm comfortable there it's good it's well made and thought through yeah actually speaking of that positive energy um actually what was really interesting when we did our anniversary show was it felt like when people were walking around that they were more receptive to going to things that they otherwise would never go to definitely you know unless they just happen to stumble on it um, whereas, you know, if you go to like a venue on U Street, it's like you're going there for a specific purpose to see a specific mm-hmm. artist versus when you're at the wharf, you're just kind of walking around, just like feeling it out. And do you find benefit like when you do shows, do you feel like at Union Stage especially that you can sort of experiment a little bit more and kind of take advantage of that? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, we we do promote to the wharf community a lot. There's a ton of tourists that are there who are looking for stuff to do they're staying at the wharf because it's an entertainment district um we are a good option to find you know emerging artists um and there there's always a good show happening of course um so we do kind of leverage that but i will say as far as like promoting shows 
our main focus is is booking great talent and you know reaching the artist fans you know especially through the artist um so if somebody at the wharf is interested that's excellent and we want them to know about all the things that are happening um but the main focus is like yeah booking great shows that people are going to want to come to whether they're in adams morgan or they're at the wharf or they're in vienna you know or they're in you know wherever columbia they want to come to a show um we're we're there for them um and that's that's the main focus i think so one thing that i've heard from several people um in particularly regarding the wharf is that sometimes it feels like dc has so many options in terms of where to see music Mm -hmm. that it can kind of be hard for a venue to break out of that clutter do you feel like when you're promoting shows that you sometimes feel like that's the case especially because there's also pearl street which is right next door sure. then you have the anthem which is of course a massive space right. um i think there's definitely competition there's competition for people's interest you know um there's only so many people in dc that are interested in going to shows you know period you know and then you can break it down even further people who are interested in going to small shows people who are interested in going to hip-hop shows you know and so on um but i think yeah i think it it comes back to the talent most of the time um it, it comes similar to the conversation about the label like you know the venue experience is as sustainable as you know the great talent is there um Union Stage, and I know that you had Daniel on the show, and, and he kind of explained his ethos a little bit. Um, Union Stage is about providing an excellent experience. You know, whether you're a um, a touring member of a band or you are an a- audience member, the experience should be you know tip top um, and refined. Um, so we pride ourselves on providing an excellent experience for people when they come, uh, performers particularly so that they want to come back and they tell their other band friends and they tell, you know, their agent and stuff that they had a great time at union stage. And then, you know, when we book good talent and we show them a good time, we just get more, you know? And so we are trying our, you know, we're focusing our energy and providing an excellent experience throughout the entire life cycle of promoting shows. So in terms of music discovery, where do you go to find artists to either book or just people that you like to listen to in general? Um, I mean, I, I got to give props to Spotify. I'm into Spotify. Everybody says you're not supposed to like Spotify. Um, as, you know, as somebody who owns a label, plays in a band, works for a venue, you know, Spotify honestly is the greatest like, musical tool you know, of my lifetime. I think they should be able, people should be able to filter it by city so you can listen yeah. to people who That's a great idea. are in your region. There are like apps that you can build on top of Spotify too. You can like be a third party app. Maybe that would be, that's yeah. a good idea. Get well, some of that sweet, sweet Spotify maybe money. Maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> or you can do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll do it. Um, yeah. As far, as far as like the um, finding new music, I, I, Spotify is an excellent tool, but most of the time it's, it's, um, my friends and people that I trust a lot of time they give me good stuff. I mean, whether it's, it doesn't matter what kind of style it is, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to hear new music from people that I, you know, I touch, you know? Um, and that's why I want to have, you know, as many different people in my life as possible. Cause I get to hear crazy different music that I wouldn't have found otherwise. Um, that seems like kind of, as I say that, that seems like very reductive, but I, yeah, I think about finding new music and I want my friends to help me find it. Are there any venues in DC that you go to to just, you know, check out people who are new to you or, you know, just to kind of discover new people? I really like uh, Studio Gaga um, down the street here in Adams Morgan. Oh yeah. I haven't been uh, to that space, but I've heard about it. It's um, a cool spot. I, I like Van. He, he um, runs it there. It a how it's would you describe of, the space? It's like a bar. It's a bar and kind of a dance club, I guess. But they book um, kind of more experimental artists, I suppose. Uh, I, did, I did an event there with Jamal, um, who, who I know has a show on uh, oh, Jamal full service. Gray. Yep. Shout out to Jamal. Um, Aquatic Gardener, the man. Um, 
who's also going to be at your one year anniversary for this side, which we'll get to in a minute, but yeah, keep going. Um, <laughs> so yeah. And, uh, as far as other stuff that we have, um, yeah, I try to find, you know, good music from my friends. So wait, sorry. I t- totally zoned out there. I like Studio Gaga. I like Rhizome a lot. Oh, yeah. Rhizome's in Tacoma. Great. We had them uh, on the show as well. Oh, okay, great. Steve. Yeah, yeah. Steve. Doing great um, things. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in the Rhizome kind of model. It's, uh, it's a really interesting it's model, It's atypical, right? yeah. It's and nobody lives there, and it's like a true community space, and they run it um, very well. Efficiently. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really cool spot. I'm, I'm into Rhizome. I'm always down to find new music from them. Uh, I like uh, Sequence, which is a promoter. Like they do, like um, it's kind of like a Rome, right? Yeah, yeah, it's similar to Rome. It's kind of more like tech house and and minimal house music and stuff, which uh, I'm very into. And I think they do great stuff. Um, Flash is always a good venue. Um, They book a lot of the kind of music I like. Sometimes the crowd is not what I'm looking for. Um, (laughs) Why is that? It's very much a club, um, and I like club music, but I don't necessarily like clubbing. Um, you know, I want to go and like jam to you know loud bass music, but yeah, sometimes the whole club scene kind of turns me off. Which is what I want to do with this side: is make an approachable kind of experience for people who are interested in kind of emerging club music in that fashion. Right. Um, but, you know, Without not... all the frills of like... Right, exactly. The bottles, you know, like all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm not into that. Um, so, yeah. But Flash does a great job. They book excellent acts, and the, the new Androids guys, you know, I'm a big fan of. And, um, yeah, they, they do good stuff. Um, I just heard of a new space that is doing well as well called Dwell, um, which I think is in Eckington. I'm not wow. sure. Oh, is it that um, big art space that just opened? It's like in a carriage house. Um, Rob Stokes played there, who I'm a big fan of. Um, I think they did a show with Kid Claws there, who I also like a lot. Um, yeah, it seems to be a cool spot. It's just kind of coming out now. Um, it's like in an alley. I, th- I think in Eckington, but I'm not certain. But yeah, Dwell DC, check it out. Um, they do good stuff as well. So you mentioned hip-hop and... Uh, electronics specifically are your two interests. So what do you think about those two scenes here in DC and sort of where they're headed? Because I know, especially for, for both of those communities, I mean, in the last few years, there's just been a lot of momentum happening in both of those areas. So how would you sort of describe like how it is right now in your opinion and sort of where you think it's going? I think it's a very exciting time to be um, in DC and interested in, particularly hip-hop, there's a lot of really good and innovative ideas that are happening here. Um, I think part of it is, you know, I I can't fully comment, you know, I'm not directly involved, um, but, you know, as an observer, um, I I admire um, DC's interest in kind of changing it up, you know, especially in hip-hop. I think Right now, hip-hop is like the most free music you can make, pretty much. That in, you know, electronic music. And the, the way that they intersect, I think, is very, um, is very innovative. And I think uh, in, in D.C. in particular, there's a lot of really great things happening there. Um, you know, I think Jamal and, and kind of the, the Nag Champa and Reaganomics, is, they kind of are leading the charge in a way. But as far as like other, you know, kind of hip-hop, like true hip-hop, you know, there's a lot of great stuff. I, I love the brand new Tony Kill, Surrey U record. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's fantastic. Um, I, I'm a huge Tony Kill fan and a, and a huge EU fan. Um, I think Nappy Napa, of course, Babe City. I think, you know, there's, there's an ethos and kind of a demeanor there um, that is very fresh, um, I think, that, that I've never, never seen before, that I've never encountered even. Um, and I know, you know, I'm, I'm new to this world. I'm new to kind of exploring it. But I think that there is a lot of opportunity in D.C. for hip hop to, you know, kind of make a national, international kind of break. Um, and Goldlink, of course, is the, the kind of the great example of that. Um, I love that Goldlink record. And, you know, now Cicero is coming up behind him. Yep, and, you know, April fantastic. and Vista are, are also following in their footsteps. Like mm-hmm. it's 
it, it's starting to happen, you know. Um, so I think, yeah, I think like hip hop and electronic music, you know, as they kind of mash like DC DMV hip hop, like has a fantastic opportunity to like, you know, really make some turn some heads, I guess. Yeah. And what do you think is going to, what do you think it's going to take for it to get there, to get to that point where it could see that big national exposure? Uh, I guess it's like a critical mass, I suppose. Um, once there is enough uh, kind of names that, that I mean, Goldlink is a great example. And, and he's, he went from being, you know, kind of a niche name to being a, not necessarily household name, but definitely mainstream artist. Um, and I think as long as people are interested in Goldlink, you know, I think people might be interested in other kind of artists that are coming up. Um, and I know that, you know, I think it's just like kind of a matter of having enough people hit, you know, and I think Cicero is, is on that track. Um, and the new Cicero album, I think is going to be fantastic. Of course. Um, I think Suge Savage, you know, is in a position to, to really kind of take, take off I, I don't i don't necessarily know what it'll take but it just it will take one good look for everybody to break i think yeah um, i think what's great about Goldlink too is he does a really good job of bringing people under his wing and giving people that exposure which i think is super important you right. know when you have eyes at you mm -hmm. that you make sure to take advantage of that and especially with like his album that he just put out last year I mean he did a really good job of just putting DC front and center yeah, definitely you know getting those collaborations yeah and just making a conscious effort to just bring the scene forward which I think is super critical I think especially to get to that national level definitely yeah I agree yeah that that first song on that record it Cicero has the first verse you know yep. it's not even a gold link verse and that track is um, produced by Darth Olympian, a good friend of mine who played on the show. Uh, Mike, he, he's, you know, one of my favorite producers in town. Um, yeah, and he's like, you know, a great example of somebody who is unburdened, you know, by like, uh, by rules. And there's like tons of hip hop, you know, happening like that here. People, they don't care. They, they want to do whatever they want and they're doing it. It's amazing. Um, and after spending years and years in rock music, you know, which in its own way is kind of conventional, um, uh, my mind is blown all the time by these, by, you know, new hip hop and especially, you know, new hip hop in DC. I think there's like tons of, tons of great material here and probably way more than I even know. So here's an interesting question for you, because you've been a part of the DC rock scene too for a long time. So what do you think between DC rock and DC hip hop communities that they could learn from one another in terms of just like qualities about each community that you think that they could learn in terms of like what they could emulate? Um, well, in the example, you know, at the very least of, you know, Nappy Napa and Tony Kill and, uh, and Surrey U, I know they spend a lot of time at Rhizome in, you know, that kind of community, the outsider, you know, experimental music. Um, I think... I think there's a lot of crossover potential there and a lot of progressive new music ideas, you know, uh, opportunities that are there. Um, and as far as like rock meets hip hop, um, I think it's kind of also, yeah, there's just like so many worlds are bleeding together now. Um, you know, with the example of Denmate, you know, it's kind of a rock band, but she also, you know, she's a producer and she, um, in a way you could flip those Denmate songs and they could be, you know, rap songs and they could be sick. Um, and so there's like kind of a, a blending. And I know she, she did a track with Nappy Napa. Um, there's more to come on that. Um, so there's like opportunity for, for kind of collaboration all over the place. And I think hip hop in particular in 2018 is way more open-minded than just about anything else. Um, and, you know, I trust that the, the hip hop community will be the ones to find the right stuff from rock music and, you know, not deal with the, the bad stuff, which of which there is plenty. Right. Yeah. I mean, one thing that going with sort of that crossover is I feel like when I first started DCMD back in 2012, there wasn't really a whole lot of mixed bills mm -hmm. like at all, you yeah. know, and I feel like you see that a lot more now, which I think is 
great. Yeah. Um, and I feel like needs to happen more. I agree. I, I do think, you know, I will say that sometimes the mixed bills can be a bit forced, I think. I agree. And I do think, you know, there, there does kind of run a risk of um, exploiting someone. And I, I, you know, I don't think that's super cool. Um, I'm not talking about anybody in particular or anything specific, but, you know, there, I think bills should be mixed in as much as they make sense. You know, like, um, I think just to put a rap artist on your bill to say that you fulfill some kind of diversity quota is, you know, is bad for everybody. Um, so I do think DC is getting way better at that. Um, and, and, and booking smarter bills um, and kind of more diverse kind of experiences. Um, I think Rob Stokes is a fa- fantastic example of somebody who, you know, does his own thing. He makes his own music, um, but he is like inv- invested and involved in so many different aspects of the music scene that like diversity, like forcing diversity isn't even like a thought. It's like there. It's it should already be accepted, you know. So I, and I guess bookers will catch up to it eventually so one of the things that we just talked about was creating more opportunities for people of different cross sections of the music scene to come together so what are some other things that you hope to see um, progress as the music community progresses in dc in dc um I, uh, I do hope that there continues to be a spirit of open-mindedness. Um, I, think, I think there, you know, there is be- the beginning of it. I think people, yeah, the, you know, we're having a lot more kind of mixed bills and um, different collaborations. I think, I think that needs to continue. I think, you know, all the scenes, you know, the rock scene, the hip-hop scene, the experimental scene, um, the electronic scene, the indie pop scene, you know, they're all small enough in D.C. that there's no reason why they can't, you know, blend together. I mean, they all use Ableton anyway, you know. Um, so just I think D.C. has this really rare opportunity where there is a relatively small place, but a high, a large media market, you know, where people can, you know, navigate a scene pretty quickly and make a name for themselves in D.C. Like it doesn't take that much, you know, cause there's just not that many people. And so if you, I think if the scene continues to collaborate and kind of expand and, and, you know, um, mix as much as possible, the, you know, there's tons of opportunity here. Um, and, and I think that opportunity does not necessarily exist in bigger cities. Um, I think when you have a bigger city scenes can be more self-sufficient um, so D.C. is in this weird place where it's a small enough city that everybody has to has to collaborate with each other. And there, and there just has to be kind of mixture to make it work because there's not enough people otherwise. So one thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about is your experience covering music and your perceptions of how the media here is covering it. So what do you think are the obligations of outlets or people who are trying to cover music here in DC? What do you think that, what do you think are the obligations that they have towards covering their community efficiently and effectively? Um, That's an interesting question. Um, I do think DC Music Download does a great job, um, you know, to toot your your horn. (laughs) Um, that wasn't why I brought up the question. No, just no. Just an FYI. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm processing it. I have to work up to it. Um, as far as obligations, I, I, I don't know if I necessarily have specific requirements, but uh, I think it's more on a kind of... Um, it's a, in a way that it seems genuine, um, and it seems like it comes from an authentic place of interest and um and also uh that the point of view is established and something that i appreciate um so you know i think in my opinion the finest music journalist in the city is of course chris richards um i think he does a phenomenal job i think his writing about the dc scene is 
in my limited experience, unparalleled, you know, uh, in a, in a publication, the size of the Washington post and the amount of fo- attention that the music director of the whole, the editor of the whole, you know, uh, newspaper spends a lot of time focusing on local artists and he gives them great exposés, you know, yeah. very thoughtful writing. Um, I think, you know, if I were to say, you know, that's like the gold standard, of course. Um, I don't think everybody needs to be like Chris Richards. Um, but I do think there needs to be, yeah, like an authentic perspective. And it doesn't have to be like widely inclusive, I don't think, you know. I mean, uh, and I mean that in a genre sense. Um, I don't think, I don't think, you know, a publication in 2018 has to cover every style of music that's coming out. Yeah, it's impossible. No, it's, yeah, and it's not worth it because no matter what, you're going to do somebody a disservice at some point. Um, So I think what works really well now is like specific kind of targeting and and taste. Um, That's kind of how it's all changed, I guess, now. It's it's more about taste in a way than it is about information. Um, I think, you know, if that is the case, then I would say like other fields does a really good job of, you know, curating kind of um, a music scene and experience, right? They're not necessarily a publication, although they have, you know, a website feature and all that kind of stuff. But there is like almost like a, um, yeah, like magazine-like experience to it, right? Like yeah. that that is curated, I suppose. Um, so I would say like, yeah, as long as the experience is something that I feel like I gain like a new understanding of my music scene um, or my peers around me or, you know, the opportunities that are presenting presented to artists in my city, you know, I would say that that, you know, is great. That's what I want. That's what I want to read about. Um, I want to learn about, you know, how Rob Stokes thinks heartbreak is weird, you know, like I thought that was hilarious. And like no other place would you get that option i think um i think that's really cool and uh you probably heard that dcist is going to be relaunching soon uh so what do you hope that they do in terms of covering music that you sort of hope that they can fill you know in terms of the void i know dcist used to do a really good jazz column um i think it was called this week in jazz or something and they would talk about all the different jazz shows that happened in town and all the different places that had them. And they would do like, you know, feature write-ups and all that kind of stuff. Um, I hope they do something like that. Uh, I think there is a phenomenal jazz scene here um, for being a small city. Again, there is a lot of, you know, kind of world-class jazz that happens. Um, I hope that they kind of do some of that coverage because a lot of times publications don't have the resources to kind of dive deep into you know kind of smaller scenes like that um so i hope they do that and i hope that you know they um kind of yeah they just immerse themselves as much as possible um and you know don't i think an issue kind of sometimes when people talk about um local music in dc there's a kind of um uh, there's kind of a, a experience where they don't, it's kind of like a, I'm doing a bad job here. There's, there's an air of um, fetishization, mm. I think, sometimes with um, local artists and, you know, kind of the interest in, in presenting them as local artists. There's a really fine line between, like, supporting you know musicians that live in your city and helping them kind of come into their own and reach a wider audience and like being interested in local you know quote unquote local music um and i know dcist in the past you know were always great about you know giving you know musicians in dc you know great uh, features and, and a lot of ink and i and i trust that they'll do that again um I knew a lot of great writers on that site, a lot of people who 
who still do great stuff now. I know Matt was there for a long time, Matt Cohen at the City Paper. Um, uh, we did a feature on Denmate with uh, Sungmin Kim, who is a great writer, um, mm-hmm. and he, he did great stuff for DCist. Um, I think, um, yeah, just a handful of great writers that I, I saw come out of there, and, and I trust that you know, they'll keep doing good stuff. Um, I wonder how it works with like the Gothamist thing, though. Yeah, do you I don't have? Know. Do you know anything about that? I don't know, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I heard that they were bought by WMU, just yep. the DCist angle. Yeah. So the rest of it is gone. Mm-hmm. Will any of the other ones resurrect? I don't know. Uh, I think Elias was resurrected. Cool. Yeah. So I think there were some that were saved, but Good. yeah. But um, well, we're almost out of time. But I'd love to hear more about upcoming projects you have especially the this side anniversary which congratulations yeah, on your you. one year anniversary yeah yeah it's very exciting how's it feel to be one it feels uh it's it's tiring i gotta say <laughs> <laughs> no it's good it's good um yeah so yeah the short version is um this side is a we've been doing a monthly party at back bar um this is a our one year anniversary we've hosted a lot of great acts um yeah it, it'll be a good time tooth choir will be there um, and uh, another artist that I feel uncomfortable saying her name, although we discussed it before. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, you do you, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I should not say it. It's inappropriate. But yeah, if you go to the show, which you should, you should see this person. <laughs> She's great. The the problem. Her name is Jessica. She is a uh, she is an excellent DJ. She's um, my favorite performer that that has been on the this side show so far. Um, I highly recommend checking out um, her DJ stuff. She, she is, yeah, she rips. Um, and she's going to be playing at Back Bar. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, and, yeah, come out because this might be uh, our last one for a bit. We might be going on hiatus for a bit. So um, oh. check out some new stuff that we got coming out in the new year. Or I guess this is the new year. Wait, this is May. Well, halfway through. Yeah, in the, the second year. half of the year. <laughs> I, I, I still think about, you know, years like in school years. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so we're at the end of the year now, I guess. Yeah. Um, I got to... You graduating I, or you're graduating? Yeah, yeah. You know, may, maybe year 10 of- years <laughs> out of school will be the right opportunity for that. <laughs> well, cool. Well, and it's going to be happening at Back Bar. At Back Bar. At 930 Club at 930 Back Club. Bar on uh, June 2nd at 11 p.m., 5 bucks, 21 plus. It'll go all night. Um yeah, it'll be fun. We have a lot of special guests coming through. A bunch of people who have played on the show um, before will be there. Um, and yeah, check us out online. We're this side. Um, we got uh, new kind of mixes coming up and a lot, a lot of exciting stuff. Cool. Well, Peter, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Stephanie. You. Yeah, it was fun. And thank you to everyone at home for listening. And we're going to leave you with the song Let's by Maryland rapper Suge Savage, who is going to be at this side, as we said, uh, next week. So I got to say that she won't be at this one. She was on the first one. Oh, well, never mind. (laughs) Well, hope you find her online. She's Um, great. Yeah. Highly recommended. Yes. She just had a baby. Oh, did she? Oh, congrats. So thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon. Uh Bye. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Right. It's just the same old schmoes, baby, know you're ready, oh Talking about the glow, don't you listen to some no, no. Everything about the same hoes, everything about the bank rolls Everything about the everything, they got everything that you don't So what you gonna keep around, who you gonna let pull you down What goes with you in your six feet on the